0: I'm an audiobook narrator that loves reading fairy tales, novels, and bringing stories to life through narration. I am also fascinated by talking to authors and learning about their why and how for creating their stories. We have included all of the links for today's author and our show in the show notes. Be sure to check out our website and sign up for our newsletter for the latest on the podcast. Today is part two of two, where we are talking to Tanya Lin about her novels. After today, you will have heard about making your own books about things around your house, being discouraged by your family, researching the way that you'd like to publish your book, learning as you go, having your family read your books, having your friend read your reviews for you, and dealing with imposter syndrome. Branches of Betrayal. Hoping for a fresh start, Sophie buys her grandparents' old home. But this farmhouse is holding more than memories. And her choice may not be the only thing that comes back to haunt her. Turning from his past to stand atop his empire alone, Eric searches for the missing piece to unlock his future. The problem is, the walls that hide his answers belong to someone else. Though Sophie and Eric's meeting is innocent enough, while their unexpected chemistry spiral into more, someone is pulling strings. Controlling lives, and lighting the match that will spark broken hearts, unimaginable fear, and immense torment. How far would you go to betray someone? Branches of intimacy. The past came to kill. With twisted family ties came unhinged terror, spreading like wildfire and burning the world as they knew it to the ground. Now, may rise from the ashes facing fear to become the strongest versions of themselves. Eric, rebuilding his life after the devastating quake of truth, he seeks answers. He works at finding the monster of his past to avenge his present. But his ultimate goal is proving he's worthy of a second chance as he vows to protect his loved one, even if she chooses to turn him away. Sophie killing her soul and becoming stronger than she's ever been. Sophie works to overcome the damage that was inflicted by others and finds family in a place she never thought possible. She learns who she really is and what she is capable of. But can she reconnect with the man who once set her body on fire and made her believe in love again? So they all know, like, what name you're publishing under, though. Okay. And so you... Um and they'll read from them
1: (laughs) (laughs) they'll read like so he like most of them don't have tiktok um i do advertise or not advertise but i make more videos about branches on tiktok than say um facebook facebook absolutely not um (laughs) well i do some stuff on facebook but like Uh um just because uh so like i didn't there's uh my son's family they usually follow me there and it's just like they're clutching their pearls and I'm like I will only post like uh age appropriate <laughs> like where on tiktok or instagram they don't have that which is kind of a it kind of I have all these people that you know either friends or um friends like family whatever mm-hmm. um found family um that have read my books and they don't have any sort of media or anything and they you know they'll write me these long messages giving me a review and I'm like but, but could you leave a review
0: like can you <laughs> but, go where you bought the can book you, and put this there
1: can you just you know that would be really helpful and they're like but it's so they it's so good and i was um like with branches of no i'm sorry mask i get them mixed up all the time um mask i broken things it is about 390 pages and um somebody i know stayed up till like two o'clock in the morning and their bedtime is 8 p.m like they go to bed at 8 p.m every <laughs> night. um and they were like oh, i was up till 2 a.m finishing this book and i was like wow like
0: that's dedication yeah
1: you know, you're into it she's like i couldn't go to sleep. i couldn't put it down and i was like but could you leave a review right <laughs> I appreciate what you're saying to me, but it doesn't help me when you just help me.
0: Yeah. I've gotten to the point. So I, at the beginning of the year, decided I was going to track all my reading on Goodreads. And so but like if it's a book that I'm narrating, I count that towards my reading goal because I read the book twice because I had to read it to prep it. And then I read it to narrate it actually three times because then I read through it again while I'm listening back through the audio. (laughs) So three times in one year I've read the same book. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm going to count it, but I won't review it because that feels ick because I'm like getting paid to read it. Even if it's a royalty share, I'm still, I'm getting paid later to read it. So, like, yeah. it's like, no, but I will, you know, read it. So it'll count. I don't know. Does it count towards authors? Like, do you guys even see how many people have read the book? No. Okay. So I guess it does no good anyways. I do read I can see how other many books that I read.
1: Want to read it, are currently reading, like, just the number, not who you are. Um, uh, unless you're my friend on Goodreads, I have no idea
0: which i just recently heard that that's amazon frowns upon you being friends with someone who reviews your book and can remove the reviews cool yeah i'm like well you know it is what it is (laughs) i don't know i don't know enough i like just recently jumped on i mean i've had a goodreads for forever because i've had a kindle for a long time but i don't know how any of it works I have to do what you did. I have to Google all the things to figure out how everything <laughs> works.
1: Um, this the main thing I... is
0: have book written. <laughs> so <laughs> we're working on that.
1: <laughs> uh, I have this year I dedicated. Uh, so last year I read mostly indie anyway. But this year I've dedicated to reading only indie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do try or I at least leave a rating. In the mm-hmm. very least, I leave a rating. Um, And then I try to review it. If it's not for me, I still try to review it. And I just try to be like, I really like the descriptions or the writing. Like I can pull myself apart from the actual story. Uh Some stuff just is not mine for me. It's just not.
0: Yeah, like, I just read Handmaid's Tale and all I left was the star rating because I'm like, everybody at this point with the TV, like, with the Hulu series, everybody knows what that book is about at this time. So, like, you're either going to like it right. or you're not.
1: <laughs> and I'm an awful reviewer. I'll, like, give away the end. So usually I just, like, this book was great. I loved it. Or, you know...
0: My issue is things. I, like, forget what I just read once I finish the book. So <laughs> I don't remember, like, what did I like about it? I'm like... <laughs> I'm, terrible my memory is garbage so I'm like I don't I don't remember what I just read but I liked it (laughs) so are you an author that do you go through and read your reviews or do you ignore your reviews (laughs) has that helped you or hurt you
1: when I first started I was on I tried to like I was reading all the time and I was like let's not do this (laughs) (laughs) um so uh my friend, sometimes she'll like be like, Hey, you got a really good review, you should check it out. And then I will, but okay, because sometimes it helps, or sometimes I'll go back and read um other reviews. Because sometimes, like, you'll be writing and you're just like, I suck, this is terrible, what is wrong with me, what am I doing? <laughs> like, this is just imposter syndrome is a beast, and it just comes uh-huh. in the, out of nowhere, and it's like what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? And so then I'll go back and I'll read my reviews and be like, this is, what, this is.
0: What. Yeah. Yeah. I read my, my narrator reviews. I read them to make sure that there's not some glaring issue that like I need to fix. Um, yeah. But so far, all the bad ones are, they don't like my voice and I can't change that. So um, unless it's one of my first audiobooks, in which case I'm like, fair. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. It's like you with the, like, trying to format it and stuff at the beginning. I didn't, while I had been, I have a daily fiction podcast that's, like, classic novel audiobooks, and while I had been doing fiction, narrating through that, I wasn't getting paid for it, so no one was really, like, grading me, if you want to call a review a grade. Um, So, like, when I started, you know, doing it actually for Audible, it was like, uh, you know, they're just rougher than now but i did the best i could at the time so now when like one of those gets a bad review i'm like there <laughs> like, <laughs> we're just gonna move past it <laughs> if they're like this is the worst narrator ever i'm like okay <laughs> i just keep going
1: <laughs> so and what... it's all subjective too like yeah um, some people um so i love crime and murder with romance and spice together
0: mm-hmm. Yes.
1: I find it really hard to write a book where I don't kill off a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So, and that's not for everybody, and I get it, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. My main concerns now are, is it well edited? Because I don't have time to narrate ones that I have to, like, fix as I go. Because, you know, word here, word there, not that big of a deal. But, like, you know, 50% of it being awful or whatever... Takes a lot longer to figure out I would find myself just like staring at the page going, What is this sentence trying to say? <laughs> like
1: And that's why after I'm done a book, well, one of the reasons, um, because I don't I go back halfway through, I do an edit. And
0: mm-hmm. sometimes
1: I'll leave a bracket and be like, Is this a word?
0: Or mm. I'll I leave Google a bracket. I will and, Google the word while I'm and leave writing. a
1: bracket and but do I need a name here or uh, (laughs) I know where the sentence is going, but because I don't stop and read back the chapters, I just keep going. So uh, yeah, I stop midway through to do an edit and then I let it marinate. And when I'm done for about two weeks and then I go back and I reread it and I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, this sounds crap, but I know where we were going. Whereas if it goes to somebody else, they're going to be like,
0: what? yeah yeah i um so i wrote because my time is so limited with like my day job that i still have and own so like that won't go away and then narrating and then trying to write my time is so limited i was like you know what we for this book for fairy tale book i have like all the chapters named already and what is supposed to happen in that chapter for the story to move forward Um, and then I finished chapter one and I went back and edited chapter one and then sent that off to my best friend and then two other authors to like, make sure that this is not crap before I write the entire book. And like the whole premise was awful, (laughs) like kind of a thing that has not been, that has not been the feedback so far. They've been like, absolutely keep writing. I'm like, okay, cool. (laughs) So, but I feel like the one chapter at a time for me and everybody everybody works differently and everybody's advice like I know Stephen King's a really big um, talker but also Brandon Sanderson like teaches classes that are up on like YouTube I think um, on how to write I'm like it everybody has to work differently like my brain one I have to remember to go and write the details like what was the dad's name so that I can reference it later (laughs) so like going back through it once I finish that chapter gives me a chance to like You know, pull all those details out and keep them in a little spreadsheet so they're you know where I can find them again.
1: I make character cards.
0: That's what my husband—he basically wrote a book of his characters for his book. So Um, I
1: keep uh, they're index cards, and I keep one on each character. Sometimes they have more. I keep them on each person's house, so I can just look at them so that I know what the layout of the house is, sort of thing. mm -hmm. So I'm not you know starting with a two bedroom and ending with a you know one bedroom.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Any details like that are things that I, like, did I mention? Eye color, hair color. Now, I actually went into Canva and, like, found the character because I'm terrible at descriptions of people. Um, So I'm like, we're going to go find, like, character art on Canva and use that as our, like, (laughs) how our main characters are going to (laughs) look so that I have something I can look at. She's blonde. She has bright red lipstick on, (laughs) like... (laughs) the only reason we liked her is because the guy fits the character for the main guy and that was the best girl I got so (laughs) (laughs) I'm like it is what it is so (laughs) so what is the you've had quite a few things that you probably would give as a tip for someone new but what's the biggest I guess piece of advice that you would give to someone starting out or trying to figure things out
1: um First off, just write the damn book. Yes. I get think, feel like a lot of people, like if I wouldn't have just written the damn book, I probably would have never gotten it done.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, And finding what works best for you, just because something works really great for another person, you know, just like how uh, some people, I know some people that have to go back and edit each chapter and that works for them, but I would get stuck in a weird Mm -hmm. circle and never leave um and uh
0: to kind of like know how your brain works and do that
1: yeah like whatever works best for you i make a lot of lists uh um and what i wish i would have found sooner um is like other author friends Mm -hmm. just because they can give you like uh they're there you're like I suck (laughs) um and they're like no (laughs) um or help with just little stuff that you don't think is going to be you know like the blurb or um probably could have got help with formatting if I had you know some friends at that time but I didn't so um just trying to find I guess it is hard to find friends finding friends is hard
0: so um, how did you find your author group?
1: Uh, I can't remember who I was following first, whether it was April or Kate Prada, but um, I've seen the Discord, I joined it, and I've been there since, I think, September of last year.
0: Yeah, I uh, asked P.S. Nail to be on my podcast, and then she was like, hey, join this Discord too, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I got there. <laughs> that was... December I think is when I talked to her um and just the
1: more you like post and the more you interact on whether it be TikTok or Instagram I haven't figured out Instagram um same let's be honest I haven't figured out TikTok
0: this week Um, I was like let's throw a bunch more hashtags on it and see if that works
1: (laughs) what I did this week so I have uh I was getting close to 12,000 followers um, and. Not that that means crap, um, but I was like, I only wanted to get to ten so I could have those playlists. That's mm-hmm. it, all I wanted. Um, I went through and I took out six hundred accounts that were inactive. Mm-hmm. So they actually hadn't posted in like a year, two years, three years. Or TikTok doesn't take out banned accounts.
0: Yeah, so you, you have, have to go to do, it. do
1: that. I didn't know that, and so and you can only remove hundred a day. So it took me six days. Um, but I have noticed an increase
0: mm-hmm. in views Yeah, you're reminding me.
1: It's about because time I, guess, I do that. <laughs> I guess what they do is they take your post and they show it to a hundred of your followers. And if it doesn't do anything, then they don't do anything with
0: it. It's a percentage, um, I think. It's like 10% or something.
1: So I was like, well, I should probably check. And it took six days. But I do notice that I'm getting you know, more engagement and just, you know it's all of it is difficult so just pick what's less difficult and try Mm -hmm. building off that
0: yeah I've also noticed like um so I start I started on TikTok as myself (laughs) and then like I don't know a couple months into being on TikTok I started the first podcast and so then I have like a podcast account but those videos get like no views because I don't know. I have no idea. Those videos have gone through the ringer of, like, a couple hundred views to, like, one or two views now. So I need to figure that out. Um, But then, like, when I started Freya Victoria Narrates, that one has done well the whole time. So I'm like, I don't know what I did. People like my boring talking videos, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Like, talking about narrating and I'm like, I don't work for publishers. Like, all I do is through ACX. So I'm like, I'm not like, putting myself out there as, like, some professional or whatever, but, like, the lady that I had today where she was giving really weird information, I'm like, I'm gonna comment on that because that's not, her experience is not normal. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm like, so weird. But, like, I don't know. I get, um, obviously, you know, every artist would like to make, you know, what they should be making on their stuff and I've noticed, especially in the author community, there's like I, I'm a little bit like business minded, too, because I do own part of and run a business. So like you want to get things for like as cheap as you can for like the best you want the most bang for your buck. Yeah. Um. Where like authors don't think that way. They're like, I want to be able to pay you. And I'm like, I will honestly do your book for royalty share. Just let me. <laughs> and then this week. Oh, who was it? Um. I'm terrible with names. Nicole York posted yeah. about um, she posted about it's an author um, who posted about wanting to do like an indie author alliance kind of thing where like you would swap services. So like if you're really good at editing, you'd swap with like you need help with your cover design. So you would like swap services for like, you know, if a cover is going to cost fifteen hundred dollars, you trade fifteen hundred dollars of editing and, you know, trade it, then you don't pay anything out of pocket you're helping each other um so i like you know post people about... pay fifteen
1: hundred dollars for covers they, yes there's a lady really?
0: i talked to i don't know how much she paid but like if you're having like a custom photo shoot done and you're paying out like the models and the photographer and all of that oh. to have like completely custom yeah you're going to be paying a lot of money for those um and then audiobooks since that's based on hourly that could be crazy too. Technically, ACX has like a $400 to $1,000 bracket. I don't know that I've ever seen a book listed for that high of pay before. <laughs> <laughs> They're all like way lower than that. But I mean, kudos to anyone able to land that. I've never landed a 400 to to $1,000. <laughs> I've never <laughs> even seen one, I don't think. Yeah, no covers. There are I've heard all kinds of crazy. Someone got on here and talked about they got their covers for like $25 or something through some website that does like stock images and stuff like that. Yeah, no. I'm like, I'm going to go the try to design it myself route. And then if that doesn't work, pay someone else (laughs) to do it.
1: (laughs) I know. I mess with them for like a while. It's something that I come back. I spend hours and hours. And hours, and hours. Uh-huh. so i guess i can see it um because i'll like it so i kind of have like a uh again the first draft um and i'll like it and i'll send it out to like a few of my friends a few people to be like what do you think and then i in the, so when i feel like it's good it's not the one and <laughs> i need to feel like in my heart that it's uh-huh. i want this to death and this is this is it. Yes. So that has been um, how I've been doing it.
0: Makes sense. Um I feel I'm, like you need a nice balance of you're in love with it and it fits the genre.
1: Yeah. Um I I'm never not going to say never, but I don't have people on my covers yet. It just is I like the symbolism of other, you know, non-peopley covers.
0: Yeah, I feel like any kind of romance it's either or. Yeah. Like it's not like you have to or you can't. It's like either or. <laughs> like there are so many I just bought um for my birthday I bought the Twisted Love series. Um and those are all just like the words on the covers. Um but then I and I just bought the what is it the um Katie Roberts books. Um fallen olympus or dark olympus dark olympus um those are not were just words there's like stuff on the covers but it's not people so yeah
1: with uh branches of betrayal i did a, like the the tree is uh one that it looks like it's dying <laughs> um but it's like the darkness of betrayal mm-hmm. and then the second one uh, i just released the cover i think yes i showed the cover this week um, it has a like a live tree that's just growing in the sunlight and it's kind of showing you the different you know this one is darker but then the next one they're healing with second chances brown mm-hmm. family you know my editor might have yelled at me because it's also emotional <laughs> <laughs> her husband was like she cried like more than once and I was like Sorry.
0: I've done that <laughs> a few times. I've done that a few times while narrating too. And I'm like, get it together, suck it up. <laughs> <laughs> must not sound like crying or must, <laughs> let's see, must sound emotional, but not have the snot involved.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know I had a, one of my friends on TikTok the other day finish. Uh, branches of a trail she commented on one of my posts how could you like, sorry <laughs> <laughs> i was like two is
0: coming <laughs> but did you review it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. please review it now that you've read it <laughs> it's the hardest thing
1: i didn't realize i don't know uh when i read books i just leave something whether uh-huh. it be rating or a um again i suck at reviews but this was really good this is what i liked uh-huh. i've always kind of you know i since indie i have <laughs> i don't really do it for trad which is rude but is what it is um
0: they have more reviews they don't need it it's unless okay. i
1: really loved it. unless i need to talk about it.
0: yeah um,
1: but how hard reviews would be to get they're just wow
0: I think there's a a statistic on like the percentage of people that read the book that then review it. Um, I I have no idea what it is, but I know there's a statistic on it. <laughs> like maybe I don't know, ten percent or five percent or seen something. Like KU
1: page is right red, and I'm just thinking like this doesn't something doesn't add up. Yeah. Um, but I mean, hopefully they'll come. I'm sure they will.
0: Well, do you have any other parting words or tips or anything? I
1: don't know. I'm pretty boring.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you write dark romance that is thriller that you created your own genre for. So that is not very boring. <laughs>
1: um, I wrote, uh, I just wrote it last month, I guess. It's a Christmas novella. And uh. Because April D. Berry writes Uh the best rom coms, I love them. Um, I need them in between all of the darkness.
0: Uh Um,
1: And so, uh, I wrote it, and I was like, "This is finally a book that you can read." (laughs) Yes, it's not dark.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Have a good rest of your Saturday. You too. Bye. Bye. As Tanya got older, she liked The Little Mermaid. The Little Mermaid is a literary fairy tale written by the Danish author Hans Christian Andersen, first published in 1837 as part of a collection of fairy tales for children. The story follows the journey of a young mermaid who's willing to give up her life in the sea as a mermaid to gain a human soul. The original story has been a subject of multiple analyses by scholars such as Jacob Bogild and Pernil Hegard, as well as the folklorist Maria Tadar. These analyses cover various aspects of the story, from interpreting the themes to discussing why Andersen chose to write a tragic story with a happy ending. It has been adapted to various media, including musical theater, anime, ballet, opera, and film. There's also a statue portraying the mermaid in Copenhagen, Denmark, where the story was written and first published. Today, we'll be reading The Girl Who Trod on the Leaf, another Hans Christian Andersen story. Don't forget we're reading Les Mortes d'Arthur, the story of King Arthur and of his noble knights of the Round Table on our Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes. The Girl Who Trod on the Loaf There was once a girl who trod on a loaf to avoid soiling her shoes, and the misfortunes that happened to her in consequence are well known. Her name was Inga. She was a poor child, but proud and presuming and with a bad and cruel disposition. When quite a little child, she would delight in catching flies and tearing off their wings, so as to make creeping things of them. When older, she would take cockchafers and beetles and stick pins through them. Then she pushed a green leaf or a little scrap of paper towards their feet. And when the poor creatures would seize it and hold it fast and turn over and over in their struggles to get free from the pin, she would say, "'The cockchafer is reading,' See how he turns over the leaf? She grew worse instead of better with years. And unfortunately, she was pretty, which caused her to be excused when she would have been sharply reproved. Your headstrong will requires severity to conquer it. Her mother often said to her, as a little child, you used to trample on my apron. But one day, I fear you will trample on my heart. And alas, this fear was realized. Inga was taken to the house of some rich people who lived at a distance and who treated her as their own child and dressed her so fine that her pride and arrogance increased. When she had been there about a year, her patroness said to her, You ought to go for once and see your parents, Inga. So Inga started to go and visit her parents, but she only wanted to show herself in her native place that the people might see how fine she was. She reached the entrance of the village and saw the young laboring men and maiden standing together chatting, and her own mother amongst them. Inga's mother was sitting on a stone to rest, with a fagot of sticks lying before her, which she had picked up in the wood. Then Inga turned back. She, who was so finely dressed, she felt ashamed of her mother, a poorly clad woman who picked up wood in the forest. She did not turn back out of pity for her mother's poverty, but from pride— Another half-year went by, and her mistress said, "'You ought to go home again and visit your parents, Inga, "'and I'll give you a large wheaten loaf to take to them. "'They'll be glad to see you, I'm sure.' So Inga put on her best clothes and her new shoes, drew her dress up around her and set out, stepping very carefully that she might be clean and neat about the feet, and there was nothing wrong in doing so. But when she came to the place where the footpath led across the moor— she found small pools of water and a great deal of mud. So she threw the loaf into the mud and trod upon it that she might pass without wetting her feet. But as she stood with one foot on the loaf and the other lifted up to step forward, the loaf began to sink under her, lower and lower till she disappeared altogether, and only a few bubbles on the surface of the muddy pool remained to show where she had sunk. And this is the story. But where did Inga go? She sank into the ground and went down to the marshwoman who's always brewing there. The marshwoman is related to the elf maidens, who are well known. Her songs are sung and pictures painted about them. But of the marshwoman, nothing is known except that when a mist arises from the meadows, in summertime, it is because she is brewing beneath them. To the marshwoman's brewery, Inga sunk down to a place which no one can endure for long. A heap of mud is a palace compared with the marshalman's brewery, and as Inga fell, she shuddered in every limb and soon became cold and stiff as marble. Her foot was still fastened to the loaf, which bowed her down as a golden ear of corn bends the stem.' An evil spirit soon took possession of Inga and carried her to a still worse place, in which she saw crowds of unhappy people waiting in a state of agony for the gates of mercy to be opened to them, and in every heart was a miserable and eternal feeling of unrest. It would take too much time to describe the various tortures these people suffered, but Inga's punishment consisted in standing there as a statue, with her foot fastened to the loaf— she could move her eyes about and see all the misery around her, but she could not turn her head. And when she saw the people looking at her, she thought they were admiring her pretty face and fine clothes, for she was still vain and proud. But she had forgotten how soiled her clothes had become while in the marshalman's brewery, and that they were covered with mud. A snake had also fastened itself in her hair and hugged down her back, Well, from each fold in her dress, a great toad peeped out and croaked like an asthmatic poodle. Worse than all, it was the terrible hunger that tormented her. She could not stoop to break off a piece of the loaf on which she stood. No, her back was too stiff, and her whole body like a pillar of stone. And then came creeping over her face and eyes flies without wings. She winked and blinked, but they could not fly away, for their wings had been pulled off. This, added to the hunger she felt, was horrible torture. If this lasts much longer, she said, I shall not be able to bear it. But it did last, and she had to bear it without being able to help herself. A tear, followed by many scalding tears, fell upon her head and rolled over her face and neck down to the loaf on which she stood. Who could be weeping for Inga? She had a mother in the world still and the tears of sorrow which a mother sheds for her child will always find their way to the child's heart. But they often increase the torment instead of being a relief. And Inga could hear all that was said about her in the world she had left, and everyone seemed cruel to her. The sin that she had committed in treading on the loaf was known on earth, for she'd been seen by the cowherd from the hill when she was crossing the marsh and had disappeared. When her mother wept and exclaimed, "'Oh, Inga!' What grief thou hast caused thy mother, she would say. Oh, that I had never been born. My mother's tears are useless now. And then the words of the kind people who had adopted her came to her ears when they said, Inga was a sinful girl who did not value the gifts of God, but trampled them under her feet. Ah, thought Inga, they should have punished me and driven all my naughty tempers out of me. A song was made about the girl who trod on a loaf to keep her shoes from being soiled. And this song was sung everywhere. The story of her sin was also told to the little children and they called her Wicked Inga and said she was so naughty that she ought to be punished. Inga heard all this and her heart became hardened and full of bitterness. But one day, while hunger and grief were gnawing in her hollow frame... She heard a little innocent child while listening to the tale of the vain, haughty Inga, burst into tears and exclaim, But will she never come up again? And she heard the reply. No, she will never come up again. But if she were to say she was sorry and ask pardon and promise never to do so again? Asked the little one. Yes, then she might come, but she will not beg pardon, was the answer. Oh, I wish she would said the child, who was quite unhappy about it. I should be glad. I would give up my doll and all my playthings if she could only come up here again. Poor Inga, it is so dreadful for her. These pitying words penetrated Inga's inmost heart and seemed to do her good. It was the first time anyone had said poor Inga without saying something about her faults. A little innocent child was weeping and praying for mercy for her. It made her feel quite strange, and she would gladly have wept herself. And it added to her torment to find she could not do so. And while she thus suffered in a place where nothing changed, years passed away on earth, and she heard her name less frequently mentioned. But one day, a sigh reached her ear, and the words, Inga, Inga, what a grief thou hast been to me. I said it would be so it was the last sigh of her dying mother. After this, Inga heard her kind mistress say, "Ah, poor Inga. Shall I ever see thee again? Perhaps I may, for we know not what may happen in the future.' But Inga knew right well that her mistress would never come to that dreadful place. Time passed. A long, bitter time— Then Inga heard her name pronounced once more and saw what seemed two bright stars shining above her. They were two gentle eyes closing on earth. Many years had passed since the little girl had lamented and wept about poor Inga. That child was now an old woman whom God was taking to himself. In the last hour of existence, the events of a whole life often appear before us. In this hour, the old woman remembered how, when a child, she had shed tears over the story of Inga, and she prayed for her now, as the eyes of the old woman closed to earth. The eyes of the soul opened upon the hidden things of eternity, and then she, in whose last thoughts Inga had been so vividly present, saw how deeply the poor girl had sunk, She burst into tears at the sight, and in heaven as she had done when a little child on earth. She wept and prayed for poor Inga. Her tears and her prayers echoed through the dark void that surrounded the tormented captive soul, and the unexpected mercy was obtained for it through an angel's tears. As in thought, Inga seemed to act over again every sin she had committed on earth. She trembled, and tears she had never yet been able to weep rushed to her eyes it seemed impossible that the gates of mercy could ever be opened to her. But while she acknowledged this in deep penitence, a beam of radiant light shot suddenly into the depths upon her. More powerful than the sunbeam that dissolves the man of snow which the children have raised, more quickly than the snowflake melts and becomes a drop of water on the warm lips of a child, was the stony form of Inga changed. And as a little bird, she soared, with the speed of lightning upward to the world of mortals. Bird that felt timid and shy to all things around it, that seemed to shrink with shame from meeting any living creature, and hurriedly sought to conceal itself in a dark corner of an old ruined wall. There it sat cowering and unable to utter a sound, for it was voiceless. Yet how quickly the little bird discovered the beauty of everything around it the sweet, fresh air, the soft radiance of the moon as its light spread over the earth. The fragrance which exhaled from bush and tree, it made it feel happy as it sat there clothed in its fresh, bright plumage. All creation seemed to speak of beneficence and love. The bird wanted to give utterance to thoughts that stirred in his breast, as the cuckoo and the nightingale in the spring. But it could not. Yet in heaven can be heard the song of praise, even from a worm— And the notes trembling in the breast of the bird were as audible to heaven even as the Psalms of David, before they had fashioned themselves into words and song. Christmas time drew near, and a peasant who dwelt close by the old wall stuck up a pole with some ears of corn fastened to the top, that the birds of heaven might have feast and rejoice in the happy blessed time. And on Christmas morning, the sun arose and shone upon the ears of corn, which were quickly surrounded by a number of twittering birds. "'Then from a hole in the wall "'gushed forth in song "'the swelling thoughts of the bird "'as he issued from his hiding place "'to perform his first good deed on earth. "'And in heaven it was well known "'who that bird was. "'The winter was very hard. "'The ponds were covered with ice "'and there was very little food "'for either the beasts of the field "'or the birds of the air. "'Our little bird flew away "'into the public roads "'and found here and there "'in the ruts of the sledges "'a grain of corn.' And at the halting places some crumbs. Of these, he ate only a few. But he called around him the other birds and the hungry sparrows that they too might have food. He flew into the towns and looked about, and wherever a kind hand had strewed bread on the windowsill for the birds, he only ate a single crumb himself, and gave all the rest to the rest of the other birds. In the course of the winter, the bird had in this way collected many crumbs and given them to other birds, till they equaled the weight of the loaf on which Inga had trod to keep her shoes clean. And when the last breadcrumb had been found and given, the gray wings of the bird became white and spread themselves out for flight. See, yonder is a seagull, cried the children, when they saw the white bird as it dived into the sea and rose again into the clear sunlight, white and glittering but no one could tell whether it went Then, although some declared it flew straight to the sun. Thank you for joining Freya's Fairy Tales. Be sure to come back next week for Laura's journey to holding her own fairy tale in her hands and to hear one of her favorite fairy tales.